You're listening to the MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update Podcast. It's not often on a business show that you get insights from one of the best businessmen and entrepreneurs that South Africa has seen. And we've got one such privileged conversation that we're about to have uh, with a well-known South African businessman by the name of Christo Visa. And he joins me on the line now to discuss uh, his latest ventures and latest developments. Uh, good evening, Mr. Visa. Thanks so much for taking the time. I guess we can start with the, the latest developments around the diamond pursuit or uh, the pursuit of the diamond business. This is something that isn't necessarily new to you. Um, It's something that you had to put on hold 48 years ago to build a completely different business. (laughs) And I suppose now is as good a time as any to pick it up. Yeah, no, well, it's, uh, you know, I, I started getting involved in the diamond mining business again for the second time about seven, eight years ago. I was fortunate enough to acquire a son-in-law who was happy to join me in the venture and who's running it for us. Uh, it's, it's small in our life. It's still very small, but it has very substantial potential. And uh, at least it creates employment. It creates opportunities for people. And it has the potential to become a very substantial business. We primarily mine in the ocean. Uh, which is a fairly unique diamond mining situation because as far as I know, there are only two major players in the world, an elephant and a mouse, the elephant being the beers and the mouse being ourselves. But it's a difficult business to get into because the barrier to entry is very high. We are fortunate that, uh, you know, we've been given very substantial ocean concessions and we've got a nice fleet of vessels uh, to do the mining. Well, Crystal, why ship mining at this point? You're, you're 82, you've accomplished everything a businessman can look to accomplish in life, building multiple listed companies, but clearly you're not afraid to still take risk and, and look at and exploring things that uh, others might not want to explore. You mentioned already that this is very difficult areas or barriers to entry in this space. Um, so then why do it? What, what, what inspires you at this point to continue doing it? Well, I believe, you know, one's got to try and make a contribution or be active uh, until physically you can't do it anymore. And I thank God I'm still physically in good shape. I could be in better shape. Uh, but still in good shape, and I enjoy what I'm doing. I've got wonderful younger colleagues. I've got children that are interested and involved, and uh, so I enjoy it. I come to the office for eight, nine hours every day, and I enjoy every minute of it. So the diamonds, just another business. It's not necessarily more risky than others. It, I suppose it can be argued any mining operation by its nature has a high degree of risk. But, uh, you know, risk is what it's all about at the end of the day. Speaking of successful businesses, um, I want to just take a moment to reflect back on the businesses that you have uh, brought to us. I mean, uh, you, you abandoned this mining effort in 1976 to uh, transition into Pepco, and we thank you for that because without that, uh, I don't know if we would have the, the size of um, Pep Ackerman's 
techie town and the Pepco Group as it stands today. Um, but alongside that, I mean, it's the Pepco Group is such a big profitable asset. Uh, Shoprite is a blue chip. Uh, retailer as well in its own right. Uh, the Breit business is there as well. Invicta Holdings is there. The list is endless. And I don't know if there is someone who's listed more companies uh, on the JSE uh, than you have. When you got into the space, when you started out with the Pepcors and, and the shop rights with two or three retail stores, did you think that this is where this was going to end up? No, I don't think any entrepreneur ever, ever does. You know, uh, uh, people labor under the mistaken uh, impression that people who build large businesses, and by the way, it's never done by an individual. It's done by, in the case of ShopRite and Pepcorp, by 200,000 other people. But they think, you know, the founder or the entrepreneur has some kind of blueprint. He knows exactly where he is and he knows exactly where he's going to end. That's not how business works. I never thought when we first started with a few shops that, you know, you, we could develop into the, the largest retailer in Africa. That was never uh, really an objective. The objective was to build and to grow and to create opportunities and to make a contribution to the economy and to the country in general. Uh, that was the objective. Thank God it worked reasonably well, and uh, and a lot of people benefited hugely from it. I suppose reasonably well is <laughs> is a modest understatement for having built companies that uh, are now worth billions in market cap. Um, Christo, you did mention that obviously there is no blueprint to to this sort of thing, yeah. and along with it, there are some difficult lessons. I wonder if I could just unearth a very painful memory for you and just reflect back on the happenings of, of Steinhoff and obviously hindsight being 2020 is one thing and the other is, of course, um, everything that you would have put into to that business and to those decisions. And I mean, um, giving up two and a half billion dollars of your stock in Pepcor to believe in this new venture and all of the developments played out the way they played out obviously there's we, no one would have known that this is the end result of it um, but when you reflect back on Steinhoff now do you have any regrets or any decisions you wish you, have, you had made differently and are you going after Lanzarac are you getting your farm back well let's start <laughs> off first of all uh, you know at the time that I sold my stake in Pepcorp to Steinhoff in exchange for Steinhoff paper, Steinhoff had a market capitalization that was three times as big as my stake in Pepcor was. So it was, you know, I thought along with other people who by that stage had invested 100 billion rand into that company, that the company was real, hmm. that it was producing what the accounts were saying that it was producing. It had a strong balance sheet on the face of it. Of course, we subsequently found that the figures were cooked and that they were not real. And they had not been real for more than a decade. That fraud started happening early in, in the 2000s. And uh, it, was, it went through all the gatekeepers, as I've said a thousand times, the banks, the auditors, the ratings agencies, the JSE, the Reserve Bank, everybody was defrauded. 
uh, by the people who ran that fraud. Uh, so I thought it was a wonderful opportunity uh, to expand the Pepcorp businesses. We already had substantial international businesses, but we could expand it more. And it just made an awful lot of sense on paper. The problem was that at the heart of it, there was a massive fraud, which nobody detected until the damage had been done. And uh, yeah, so a painful experience. I mean, I said in Parliament that I lost an asset that I took that took me and other people 50 years to build. Mm. But just one of the risks that one faces in the business world, more clever people than I have been defrauded for bigger amounts. Uh, these things happen. It's sad, and uh, but one has to make peace with it and get on with your life, which is what I did. It's uh, coming to, to Landsrack, as you know, we issued summons uh, against Uister a few years ago, and that we are in the legal process of trying to recover it. Mm. But is like all court cases, long, drawn out, and uh, but I'm confident that eventually uh, I will get the property back. It's amazing that you can go through so much um, like other shareholders went through and still be as optimistic as you are as, and as adventurous as you are with um, continuing with business. A lot of uh, businessmen in that situation may just say, call it a day and not want to move forward. Um, um, Christo, can I get your thoughts on South Africa Inc. at the moment? Right. We you're in South Africa. You've seen many different shapes and colors and forms of South Africa. We're now dealing with logistical crisis, uh, logistical and energy crises that we haven't dealt with um, in this magnitude ever in the history of our democracy. Are you still bullish on SA Inc.? Um, Are you still optimistic around the South African uh, story and the South African companies. Uh, we've got really good companies. And I mean, like we said at the start of our conversation, leading that charge on the retail side, without a doubt, is ShopRite. Yeah. Look, let's just deal with those points one by one. First of all, uh, if, if one cannot handle setbacks in business, you should never go into business. Go and find a steady job and uh, even there you'll have little setbacks. But setbacks are part and parcel of the journey through a business career. That's the first thing. I was never going to roll over and die because of the enormous amount of money that Eustace and his uh, colleagues cost me and other shareholders. So that was never an option. The second thing is, I could never understand what the benefit is of not being positive. How can it help you that if we all know that the world is full of trials and tribulations, but if you get up every morning and you think you know, the world's going to end, then you may as well stay in bed. So thinking positively is just part and parcel of our DNA. Coming to South Africa today, you know, we, I don't have to spell out to you the litany of woes 
all the things that had gone wrong in South Africa uh, in the last, uh, particularly the last 15, 16 years, uh, it is horrendous what had happened to our country due to gross mismanagement, corruption, theft. We all know it. Should that make us despondent? I believe not. Because I just had an interview with a colleague of yours, and I made the point that I've often told people that I believe that countries like people are either lucky or unlucky. South Africa has proven over its centuries of existence that it is a lucky country. I mean, I can give just one example of many. Look how lucky South Africa was that at the right time, it had both a Mandela and a de Klerk in their positions. Can you imagine how the movie could have turned out if those two guys or one of them wasn't there at that particular point in time? Mm. Equally today, we sit in a situation where in many respects, the government is simply failing. It's not delivering what it should deliver. Thank God it is increasingly looking towards the private sector to help out with water, with electricity, with rail transport, etc., etc. We should be grateful that South Africa has a private sector that has the capacity and as importantly, the willingness to step in and to help to make the country a better place for everyone and to create employment. So there are many countries that are not that fortunate. If you look at the disasters across Africa, one of the reasons is that for many decades, they did not have a substantial private sector. So we're lucky again. Absolutely. I couldn't have put it better myself. Uh, eternal optimism, even in the face of uh, harrowing challenges and defeat. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Visa. It's on your shoulders that young entrepreneurs in South Africa are able to stand and to believe. And we thank you for everything you've contributed towards uh, a country like ours, a country that we all love to call home. Um, but we'll leave it at that. Uh, that's I think that's a good point to end off the conversation on. Uh, that was uh, the voice of Christo Visa who joined me to just reflect on some life lessons in business, some thoughts on South Africa, as well as his eternal optimism. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update podcast, uploaded weekdays at 7 p.m. For more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.